In this series from Advanced Biblical Foundations, the Kingdom of God provides believers with an understanding on how to cooperate with God's kingdom while on earth. Welcome to the uh, Kingdom of God series we're doing. This is part two. Hope you enjoyed the first one because it really is just a, a large overview of trying to introduce the Kingdom of Heaven or the Kingdom of God to us so that we have sort of a big picture. Today I want to walk through a little bit more. I want to start again and with a little review here. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17 says, From this time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we talked about it in the very first one. Repentance is a way of life. And it's not about feeling bad about sin, though we, we should feel bad about sin. We've got to change the way we think because the kingdom of God's here. It says, well, what does it make sense? No, it doesn't. Because we're so living in this natural realm of, of taste and feel and see and smell and hear all that stuff. I'm living in circumstances and situations. But God's saying, wait a minute. I brought my kingdom. My rule and reign is here now. Don't, don't put it off into some other time. It's here now. It's available now. So it's like, wow, that doesn't make sense to us. That's why we need to change the way we think. Uh, verse 23, it says that Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We saw in the first session, we talked about this was his message. This is what he taught. This is what he preached. And it was also the disciples. And also Paul at the end of Acts is doing the same thing. He's still teaching and preaching things concerning the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the gospel of the kingdom is good news. It's great news. It's one belief. It's phenomenal news. I don't have to wait to go to heaven. The declaration is that Jesus has come. He's paid with his life so that I might have life and that I might join him now. I get to go to heaven someday, but in the meantime, I can enjoy this age to come now. I don't have to wait for something to happen in here. And that's what we have a tendency to do. Well, let's put it off. When Jesus returns, it'll be that way. Or the millennial reign. What or if that is true? Well, all these things are going to happen then. No, he's saying, guys, it's, it's available now. Remember, he said the kingdom of God's at hand. It's here. It's near. It's right here. So we're looking at the natural realm. And he's saying, okay, yes, it's still here. Um, we don't have a new heaven and new earth yet. And so we live in this time frame of the, of the church age or the, actually the present evil age. But listen, his kingdom is here now. He not only preached the gospel of the kingdom, but he healed all the kinds of sicknesses and diseases. And this is what he did. He demonstrated his kingdom also. So chapter 5 and verses uh, all the way through here really is talking about the kingdom uh, who's blessed? Well, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. Verse 3. Verse 10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, why this is so important is because he's, he's teaching the issues of the kingdom. But he also said there's persecution. He said those who enter the kingdom will enter with tribulation. Why? Because we live in a, a dimension where the devil still roams about like a roaring lion. He said, but resist him. He said, there's still sin. 
there's still sickness, there's still death. These things are still here, though the, the kingdom is here also. So he's saying, you've got to understand that my kingdom is here, my rule and reign is here, but you still live in a dimension where there's a lot of problems. And he's saying, he outlines what that really looks like. He said, look, you're salt and light. Uh, let your light so shine, verse 16, that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So he's just going through here, and he's not getting, as I said in the first session, he's not giving more law. He's not giving more rules and regulations that we couldn't keep in the first place. He's saying, look, I'm after your heart. I, I want you to act right, but I'm more after your heart than just your action. I don't want you trying to perform. Um, I want you to, I want your heart. I'm after your heart. And so all the way through here, he's contrasting with, okay, well, you've heard this and that's true, but listen, I'm, I'm really after this. And so I encourage you to read that, but I want to focus today in chapter six. And I want to begin with uh, at verse eight, because this is really about prayer. When you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things which you have need of them before you pray. Now, let me just make some comment there. Very clear that this is, again, this is, we're getting ready to talk about the model prayer, which sometimes referred to as the Lord's Prayer. But what we're talking about here is when you pray, and you understand that he said that uh, when you pray it to be seen, you have your reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray in secret. Pray to the Father who's in secret. And when you, when you Father who sees in secret, He's going to reward you openly. Do you understand? We don't even think about rewards. I'm not talking about reward of going to heaven or earning salvation. But I'm talking about when we align ourselves with God's will and His way, there's rewards in this life and the next life. So we're not, we're not talking about earning something, but we are talking about understanding his ways. Now, another thing that's very pointed out here is so clear is that we pray to Father. Now, why I want to take just a moment here and talk about that is because how you see Father determines how you're going to pray. That's why the enemy does everything possible to, to literally take out the Father's, to use the Father, who's a representative of the Father, to be an abuser or someone that abandons families, or that does harm. Because he knows that he may not keep you from coming to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but if you're going to grow, and you're going to pray, and you're going to do the things of God, you're going to have to have that picture of Father is going to have to be corrected. So again, we're back to repent. You've got to change the way you think, and especially about Father. Father is good, and He is love. He is not sometimes good, He is good. He is not sometimes love, He is love. This is His nature. So everything in us that we've projected our earthly Father's image under our Heavenly Father that doesn't line up with that He is good and He is love is incorrect. So therefore, 
we have to repent. We have to change the way we think, and we have to think differently because he is our father. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, right there, we could just finish, the, <laughs> finish this whole session just talking about, he's our father. He's our father. If you're watching this, he's your father. He's our father. He's perfect. He demonstrated his love while we were still sinners. He, he sent Jesus. Jesus went to the cross and died for us while we were still sinners. He's a good father. And I love this verse. In verse 8, he says, Therefore, do not be like them, the heathen, when they pray. Um, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you, say, before you even ask. Isn't that amazing? He loves us so much, he already knows exactly what we need. And the reference is that he's going to provide for you. It's amazing. So the whole issue of father, how you see father, really determines how you're going to pray. Now he goes on to say, in this manner, therefore pray, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about this last week. He's not praying for us to get out of here. You may say, well, I want out of here. It's a terrible, it's a terrible. I don't, I don't like what's going on. No, he's not praying for us to get out. He's praying for us to have his rule and reign come into the earth realm. Now, where does it start? It starts right here. It starts in me. It starts in you. It starts in our family. It starts in those that we're in relationship with. I can't bring his rule and reign into some other realm if it's not first in me. So again, the prayer is for, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Now, I'm just going to be honest. I've done this myself, and I would venture to say you probably have too. When we think of this, we're thinking of, oh, yes, Lord, let heaven come. No problems. There's no sickness. There's no problems in heaven. Let heaven come. No. The prayer is that your will and your, your kingdom and your will will come on earth as it is in heaven. You're right. There's no sickness. There's no death. There's no disease. There's no pain. There's no abuse. None of that's in heaven. But what he's praying for is that his rule and reign would come on earth. Folks, I hate to tell you, break this bad news to you, but you're praying for conflict. You're praying for his rule and reign to come into this realm. Why? Because it's not ruling and reigning now. This realm, he's saying, look, I want you to pray it will. And when it comes in, there's going to be conflict. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. In me, there's peace. So when you begin to understand, whoa, wait a minute, I prayed this prayer. Yeah, if you prayed this prayer, and we've, we've recited it over and over and over again, we're not praying for peace and safety and no problems. We're praying for conflict. Why do you think Paul says, hey, finally, brethren, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Having all done, stand. Uh, that's armor? Pick up the sword of the Spirit? What are we talking about? We're talking about conflict. When we're praying this prayer, we're not praying for peace and safety. We're praying for His rule and reign to come into this realm because it's not ruling and reigning. So we're actually praying for there to be, there, you're going to get pushback. That's why it says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake because there's the kingdom of heaven. Well, you're not going to have any persecution if you're not pronouncing the kingdom and bringing forth his rule and reign. You start doing that, and you're going to get pushback. You're going to get, they're going to have all kinds of issues. And that's what we're praying here. Now, I want to, before we finish this uh, passage of prayer, I want to go over to, to Luke chapter 11. And 
I want to just read it real quickly here. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now it's interesting, let me just make some comments here. They saw Jesus' prayer life. And they, it's a number of times it says that he would slip away and he would pray literally all night. And they saw that. Obviously, the disciples, they didn't say, teach us to cast out demons. They didn't say, teach us to, to, to heal the sick. They said, teach us to pray. They understood that Jesus' prayer life had to do with what he was seeing, they were seeing on earth. So they said, hey, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples to pray. So he said, then pray this way. Your Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he goes on to say that basically the same, same things there. And so it's very interesting that, again, this whole issue is about Father. So that, again, we can't get away from the Father issue. He's just all about Father. If we're going to pray, if you're going to be effective, you've got to be sure you have the correct image of Father. And so we can, that's the reason we did the previous series on the cross, the key and love, identity and purpose, because those series help us to understand that he is our father. And it's an intimate term. And we're supposed to cry out, Abba, daddy, he's given us a spirit of adoption, but it's father that everything is relating here to. So all of our prayers are to father. Remember, Jesus told us to pray. So when you pray, Pray to Father in my name because he loves you and he cares for you. So when we pray, we're praying to Father, a loving heavenly Father who loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son to us. Amazing. And that, that's why, it's, again, I, we, we're, we're going to get stuck if we don't get the right perspective of Father. Because he is a, a good father. Now I want to go back to, if you will, Matthew chapter 6. And I want to just talk about this prayer. So again, first and foremost, the prayers to Father. And we're praying that, and it starts with, hallowed be your name. Do you realize that when we start all prayer, we should start with Father. And it really, we start praising and worshiping him for who he is. Lord, we just worship you. I bless you. Hallowed be your name. You, you are the living almighty God. You are the king eternal. You are the almighty one. You're the great I am. And it, we begin to set our gaze upon him for your amazing love and your grace and your mercy you've poured out upon me. We begin to exalt Father. It gets us into the right frame and it gets us out of ourselves. That's the biggest problem my self-focus. Well, you don't know what's going on in my life. All these things are happening in my life. Mm-hmm. The kingdom is about getting focused on him and his kingdom. That's, that's why he says, start with Father and start with a, a time of adoration, a time of exaltation, a time of, oh, give thanks for God is good and his mercy endures forever. But be thankful, grateful. You may say, well, you don't know what's going on in my life. Uh, I know, but he's king and he's God and he's in charge. He's my father. Wow, I'm just telling you, this is major. 
that shift of thinking, repent, change the way you think, because he's your father and he's a good father. You may have had an abusive father. You may have had an absent father. You may have had every kind of problem in the world with father, but he is a perfect heavenly father. And he wants us to go, wow, help us, Lord, to have a revelation of you as father. Help us to really get it. And, and not just know head knowledge, but Lord, we want to know you as father. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to release the spirit of adoption in our lives so that we grow up, daddy, daddy. Wow, an intimate term, not some formalized, oh, God in heaven. No, he wants to say, daddy, father, you know what I need and you already care for me. Now, I'm going to get on your, your plan I'm not going to just pray all the time about what I need. I'm going to pray, Lord, I'm going to pray your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray to start here, Lord, and work in my family and work in the place I work. And Lord, help me to allow your rule and reign to be released here and through me to the world around me. He goes on to say, give us our daily bread. Well, he's our provider. He provides for us. He provides natural and he provides spiritual bread. He provides everything that we need. There is nothing that we lack, but we do need to ask for that. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, this is a very interesting deal because one translation says, forgive us our trespasses and we forgive those who have trespassed against us. But it's so important because the kingdom of God is about relationship. It's a relationship with the king and it's a relationship with one another. He said, what's the greatest command? Love God. The second is like it, love one another. And then Jesus comes along and says, hey, I'm going to give you a new command, that you would love one another as I have loved you. Wow. How did Jesus love us? He laid his life down. So what he's saying here is that if we're going to see his kingdom come, if we're going to see his rule and reign come on earth as is in heaven, it's going to be done through relationship. It's going to happen through relationships. Therefore, you're going to have to understand the power of forgiveness and right relationships. Then he goes on to say, do not lead us into temptation. Now, God's not leading us into temptation, but he's just saying, deliver us from the evil one. We're just saying for protection. So what he's saying here, we're praying for provision, we're praying for right relationships, and we're praying for protection. And then yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we started with the kingdom and we end with the kingdom. Then look at verse 14 and 15. Now this is interesting because this is Jesus. He's saying, this is how you pray. Pray this way, Father, who art in heaven, pray this way. And he tells us to pray, and it's a great outline to pray. But then he, he makes a comment on his own prayer. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Interesting. So he emphasizes, it's like, okay, think about this. There's a, he, the prayer, and then he says, okay, and by the way, You've got to understand the power of forgiveness, the power of love released to your fellow brothers and sisters. It is so important. So let me put it this way. If we're going to see 
the kingdom of heaven, the rule and reign of God come into the earth realm, it's imperative we understand the power of forgiveness, the power of love. There's no way around it. The clear context of this is that we have got to understand the power to forgive. Now, let me just take us on a little journey here. Go over to Matthew 18. Now, we, we, you've probably heard this. You know, Peter says, how many times do I have to forgive somebody? This is verse 21. If a brother sins against me, do I forgive him up to seven times? You've probably heard it taught that in that day and time, that was probably more than what they actually thought they would have to do. So Peter sort of said, hey, do I have to forgive this guy seven times? Now, look what Jesus said. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. I mean, I'm sure Peter's going, you what? Oh, that's 490 times. And then look what he says. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So again, this is a story. It's a parable. And what Jesus is talking about is the kingdom. In the kingdom, he said, this man had a debt that was 10,000 talents. He wanted to settle accounts. Uh, and Jesus, in the parables, don't get caught up so much in the details, but get caught up in the fact that he's making it huge. I mean, this guy owed, he, he owed so much money that even in any way you want to figure this, in that day's time or in today's time, based upon a price of whatever this, this talent would be, it's, it's a huge, huge, huge amount. And he said um, he was not able to pay. He told him to be sold. And the servant, in verse 26, fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And the master of the servant was moved with compassion. He released him and forgave him the debt. Now, this is amazing. I mean, a debt that is so insurmountable that he couldn't pay it. He begged him. He said, okay. Not only he had compassion on him, he released him and forgave him completely. Now, this is important because when you release someone, the expectation for them to do something, it's gone. Release them. I mean, I've got no expectation of anything. I've completely forgiven them. It's forgiven. Well, this guy went out and um, he found someone owed him 100 denarii, which is a very small amount. So in comparison, I mean, it's little tiny amount. And he basically said, pay me. And he fell down before him and said, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. It's exactly what he said. But he would not. He threw him into prison and he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and, so, and told their master all that had been done. And the master, after he had called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And the master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now remember, he'd already said there's no way he could pay it. So I don't know who the torturers are. Some translations will say tormentors. But I can tell you this, when you hold unforgiveness, you're tormented. And whether those are actually demons or it's just the, the mind that is so bogged down because of the hurt and the abuse and the pain, I don't know. But it's torment and it is torture. And what happens is, is that Jesus is telling this story and he said, so my heavenly father will do also to you if each of you from his heart doesn't forgive your brother his trespasses. 
Now, I share that in connection to what we're talking about, the Lord's Prayer, pray for the kingdom to come. The kingdom is about a relationship with the king and relationship with one another. And here's the problem. The problem is, is that we have to repent and change the way we think. Because right now, most of us, we think that what was done to us is the greatest debt. And we were forgiven. Okay, I was forgiven. But you're going to have to repent and change the way you think. Because Jesus is saying, look, you had a debt to me you couldn't pay. It was the greatest debt, and there was no possible way that you could pay it. I forgave you because you asked. Now, that that was done to you is, this, is a small, little, tiny, nothing compared to what debt you owed. That's why we have to repent. We have to change the way we think. Because I'm looking at what was done to me as, wow, I can't believe what they did to me. Can you believe the hurt and the pain and the abuse that I've gone through? I, mean, I just can't forgive them. You don't understand what I've gone through. Jesus is going, hey, I went across and died for you. I paid your debt. And I want you to do the same to those who've hurt and abused you. Now, I know this is not easy. But if we're going to see his kingdom come, we're going to, we're going to see his rule and reign come into our lives. If we're going to walk in the authority and the power that he has given to us to represent him on earth, we've got to deal with this issue of the relationships with one another. And the only way it's going to happen is that we have to repent and change the way we think and recognize that, oh my goodness, I was forgiven a debt that I couldn't pay. And this person is a small debt. So I want to pray. I want to pray for us. I want to pray that God would help us to see things from God's perspective. Because that's what the kingdom is all about. Not only do we pray for his kingdom to come, but we need to get his perspective on how he sees things. I want to tell you something. He sees things differently than you see them. And a lot of times we're looking only in this natural realm and we get offended, we get hurt. He said offenses are going to have to come. Why? How am I ever going to be conformed to the image of Christ and, and release his love and forgiveness on earth if, if a real offenses don't come, if they don't come? So I'm going to have to learn how to, wait a minute, how am I going to do this? I've got to recognize how much I've been forgiven. When you understand the, how much you've been forgiven then you, and been released completely, then you can begin to understand the power of forgiveness, which is love in action. When you begin to release people and bless them and love them and bless them, and for, how often do you do that? Mm. Peter thought seven times. Jesus thought 490 times. See, I don't think he's talking about 490 times. He's talking about continually until you've completely released them from your heart. Wow. But that's what he's calling us to do. But I'm going to tell you something. Last thing I'll say, and we're going to pray. Forgiveness frees you. It's not about anything but you. It frees you. If you don't forgive, you're continually connected to the hurt and the abuse and the woundedness, and really it's you that, that, that's suffering. But we need to learn how to forgive and how to release and how to bless. Amen? So again, forgiveness doesn't say you agree with what was happening or what happened to you. 
Forgiveness is choosing a higher way, a kingdom way. It's choosing to love and not curse. It's choosing to bless. It's choosing to release and let go. And you know what happens? It frees you. So Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you that you are a good father. We thank you that you've forgiven us a debt that we couldn't pay. And Lord, I pray now that you'd give us revelation and understanding of how much we've been forgiven. Because Lord, only through understanding how much we've been forgiven can we extend the grace and the love and the mercy to those who've offended us. But Lord, I'm asking now in the name of Jesus, help us, help us to forgive. You tell us to forgive those who've trespassed against us. And if we don't, we won't be forgiven. So Lord, help us to, to really forgive. Help us to really bless. Help us no matter what goes on, help us to be those that extend your love to the people around us. Father, we love you. We bless you. We thank you that you have, you've, you've forgiven us completely. You've released us. No expectation of payment because there's no way we could pay. But Lord, we thank you. So help us to think according to the kingdom of God. Lord, help us to repent and to quit looking at the things in this earth, but help us to begin to focus upon you, our Father in heaven, a good Father, a loving Father. So I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Wow. Lord, help us to see you. We ask you to help us to walk in your way and help us to really forgive one another from our heart. Lord, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this part two. I hope you'll join us on the next one. We're going to talk about what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God. But I hope you're enjoying this. This is a, to me, it's an exciting series. And I just hope that you can join us for all of them. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to build a Bible study, which turned into Sojourn Church, now located in Carrollton, Texas. They've never been the same and hope you connect with Christ in the same way. For more, connect to advancedbiblicalfoundations.org.